Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for attending another episode of Revenue Accelerators. This is Deep Trikonaut, and today I'm excited to have Davidson Hang, CEO of Kaizen Sales, a personal development company. Davidson, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, excited to be here, man. You have some pretty stellar guests, and I love your energy. Love how compassionate and empathetic you've been. Uh, thanks for your patience. That. I appreciate that. Actually, you know, um, for everyone listening, it took me a little while to get Davidson on the show. <laughs> so I'm grateful for you for you joining today. Um, all right, so let's get right into it, actually. Um, you know, as with the, all the guests, if you can do a quick intro, like how, like who is Davidson Hang? Like, how did you become who you are, like doing what you're doing and why? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I got into sales because like we grew up pretty poor, like living off of government assistance and sales was something that I would read through the Reddit sales forum to see, mm -hmm. oh, wow, there's a lot of people that are making pretty decent money. So I started interviewing people on the, like, I started this podcast called like the Reddit sales and business development professional podcast. So I interviewed a lot of like the, the people that would write a lot of content. Um, I guess you can call it influencers before that was like a thing, like I would say 18 years ago and uh, got into it. And I, oh, wow. I kept seeing the common themes like, oh, wow, it seems like software sales SaaS sales people are making a lot of money and that's how I got into it. But, but it is kind of hard. Like, do you, like when you say software sales, did you start as an SDR? Did you like, how did you actually get into it? Yeah. Yeah. I was an SDR for four or five years actually, because I was, I was really good at it. So okay. I really enjoyed it. And I, I tried being an AE like in between a couple of different uh, SDR mm -hmm. gigs. And honestly, it was really hard because I, I was in industries that I knew nothing about. Yeah. And then I think I gained my confidence because I had like a really good manager when I was at Trinet with Mike Ragone and he like really saw something in me. He started grooming me and he would allow me to attend like the manager's meetings to kind of learn from him and, and shadow and see how he ran meetings. And he was a, a very type A, like perfectionist type of personality. And, and that, that helped me learn from the best. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs kind of that mentor to take them under their wing to kind of show them the ropes, that coach effectively. Um, no, that's great. So, so, so SDR to, and then did, did you become an AE and, and, and what are you doing now with, with guys in sales? Like how, how did that evolve? Mm -hmm. How did you go from kind of carrying a bag yourself to now helping other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it was interesting because um, for context, I, I've spent over $100,000 on a lot of different personal development, all these masterminds, all these courses flying all over the world, like Fiji and Tony Robbins to, um, you know, part of Ian Koniak's wow. uh, mastermind group and Jabal's and Brandon Flugardi. So I would 
and I, I would fly to the the sales success summit in mm-hmm. with Scott Ingram's. Uh, he says one of the top sales podcasts. So, um, you know, it was a combination of just like I was just always a student, and I just loved like the the theory and just loved learning. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that a lot of people that had insecure, I would I became. I guess like a Reddit influencer where I would write about like just my insecurities with sales and sort of my struggles with it. Mm-hmm. And some of it went viral and that gave me the confidence. And then random people would just message me on Reddit, like DM and be like, Hey, like, can I pick your brain? I'm trying to break into tech sales. And that's what started the journey. And then 300 podcast episodes later, and then, you know, close to a million followers later, I was like, wow, like people are really resonating with my content. And I think it's just because you know, I, I grew up like really poor. So a lot of people were like, oh, but he can do it. Like someone who was living off of government assistance, like I could do it too. And then I would just get all these like wanderlust, like lost souls that would reach out to me and <laughs> they end up becoming like my best friends. And I would coach them and mentor them to get promoted from from SDR to AE, from SMB to mid-market, from mid-market to enterprise. So, enterprise. you know, that that's how I was able to get like 79 LinkedIn recommendations because I've just been very generous with just helping people. Um, that's, and then people would be like, you have to talk to Jason. He's, he's your guy. That's awesome. I love it. I love the, 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 the gifts that you give to everybody um, in, in what you're doing. Is along the way, is there anything that... That even you, whether you you had to go through it yourself, one of the common questions I ask everybody on the show is, would how do you, how do you is there any lessons that you learned either yourself or having watched one of your students go through that kind of like they don't teach in schools like even even in in all the programs and all the all the the, the sales summits that you've attended. They don't necessarily mm. talk through some of those lessons that are hard learned. That's the school of hard knocks, mm. like falling on your face. Are there anything that you can mm. share with share with listeners that um, that you learn from that they might be able to learn from without having to actually experience it themselves? Mm, without having to, I mean, the, like you said, there's definitely no substitute for the school of hard knocks. But I, I do think I wish we covered more uh, emotional regulation in the in the sale. Like, there's no really emotional intelligence isn't as talked about as much as usually like it's usually these are the frameworks this is challenger sell or spin selling it's all like theoretical right 100%. i feel like there's not a, there's not as much um i mean luckily because of tools like gong like that that is helpful because i can like literally but as you know a lot of the top reps they're afraid of recording the, the calls because <laughs> sometimes like they they say things that are just or they curse or whatever it is right yeah that is not really that's like frowned upon in like traditional sales yes. training and i wish there there were more um conversations and, and and just like emotional regulation like hey like you know i think st- people are starting to talk more about imposter syndrome and things like that but mm-hmm. there's never like talking about the deep work the inner work on how and because Interesting. you know I, so how, like how I, so can you can you define for example like i mean we we talk about like um, uh, you know, the, the common term, at least I think that is everybody understands is uh, emotional intelligence. But when you said emotional regulation, can you define that a little bit for everybody? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, even today, there was like a homeless. I, I went to Penn Station, New York City. As you know, New York City has a lot of homeless people. Yeah. And there was like, out of nowhere, I was just listening to my podcast and, and this like homeless guy that like he looked like he was on crack like just randomly just comes out and like 
tries to tackle me and I'm like, what just happened here? Mm-hmm. And like, normally like that would have taken me out for like the day I'd be like, oh, like New York city is a crappy place, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, you know what? Like, and I looked into his eyes and I was like, man, like there was like anger and like frustration. And I saw like, I was able to have sympathy and empathy for like, he must've had like a really tough life, you know? And I was yeah. able to just like walk away and like able to just go on with my life. And, you know, like, a lot of my clients, you know, would have been very triggered by that. And we would have to have like multiple conversations on, on like why me or why New York City sucks. And they would try to prove to me that like, oh, New York City is a horrible place to live. <laughs> I got to move. But it's like, yeah. yeah, instead of like just being able to process it and like regulate and then move on with their lives and, and not let it like control their lives. Interesting. So then that same would apply to just basically i mean that that's that actually is fascinating it puts like the way i see it is almost like putting it in context um alex Tremosi had a had an interview um on uh, diary of a ceo i forget the 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 host's name um stephen bartlett i think his name is um he uh in during that interview he mentioned um you can never hate anybody you truly understand and that resonated with me and what you're saying right now actually um kind of is along those lines where you paused, you proactively paused and kind of tried to understand what that dude must have been going through. And so Mm. understanding that it helped you move past it and kind of just put it in the moment, kind of put it in a box in that moment and then then kind Mm. of move on with your day. Right. Um, It's, it's fascinating. I wonder, um, I mean, that applies to so many, so many negative, um, engagements, negative experiences that we all run into to be able to box it up and be like, all right, it happened. Uh, Got to move on. I can't kind of carry it with me throughout the rest of the day, the week, the year, whatever it is. Um, but learning from it is key. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So with respect to, like you mentioned earlier, you're, you're absolutely right. hundred percent. There's no um, uh, replacement for the school of hard knocks itself, right? Like one of the things that, that I often talk about in my own personal experience for that school of hard knocks is like, um, and this is a little bit more tactical, what I'm going to get into. Um, I mean, what you mentioned with emotional regulation is, is deep and uh, it's, I'm not sure like how to, how to process that at the moment. Um, let's see here. Um, and well, how does that apply? So, so have you seen that? Have you been successful with any of your students yourself in terms of applying that to, to common date routines, even in sales, right? So like building an opportunity, reaching out to people, dealing with hard prospects to deal with, like how does, how does emotional regulation help in sales? That's a great question. I think we, I mean, we all have like really easy prospects where like sometimes maybe it's like an inbound or maybe you got lucky because one of the other sales reps left and you just happened to acquire the deal. And, you know, it's, it's, it was pretty much a layup, right? We don't really yep. learn as much from those types of deals. I think right, it's, yeah, totally. it's, it's the ones where like you really have to fight where, where like you're meeting with, you have like 50 meetings and you're bringing in all the internal resources and you're bringing your manager and they're like your skip level. And like, it's, it's like all hands on deck. Right. And yep. like th- those are rewarding. And, and sometimes like those aren't even like the highest dollar ones, but it's just like, like, you know, it's like the game, right? Like the thrill of the, the thrill of the chase. And, and it's hard for us to separate as sellers. Like, Oh, maybe they don't 
maybe they just don't like me as a person, but it has, has nothing to do with liking you. Right. It's, it's like, was there, you know, obviously timing, is it just, is there like value that you're adding, you know? And I think, you know, sales is, is very difficult. Like no matter if you're SMB, mid-market enterprise, strategic accounts, right? Like we all go through like the ups and downs of the roller coasters. Yeah. And then sometimes they're like, man, is, is this career for me? Like, am I even meant to be in sales? Um, and, and you realize that after interviewing all the top reps at LinkedIn that were making over a million dollars a year, I realized like they also had as many insecurities as, as I do. And I didn't realize that because when I watch them, when I listen to their gong calls, they're, they're very poised, like they're very put together. But afterwards I'll go up to them and ask them like, Hey, like, how'd you think you did? They're like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I did so well. I'm like, what do you mean? Like from my perspective, you like, you hit a home run, right? Nailed it. But they're like, yeah, but they're like, no, like, I feel like, I was talking too much during this point or, you know, they're like essentially being really hard on themselves. And I was like, huh, this is a common theme I've noticed, you know, whether you're an SDR or you're a top rep. But that theme, I think, is what makes those reps successful. Like, you know, the the, the idea of like constantly being paranoid, the, the self-reflection of like, where could I have actually done better? Um, hmm. I've met a bunch of, you know, colleagues in my, in my travels and the ones that think they always nailed it and knocked it out of the park. They're the ones that didn't do as great. The ones that were always like, ah, oh, crap, I could have done that better. I wish I did that better. I wish I did this. And it was constantly looking to improve to your, you mentioned earlier, like it's, it's a craft and kind of minding that craft and being a student of that craft, a student of sales is important. Those that think that they've arrived aren't really going to grow. Um, and so, so that's, that's, that's kind of my observation that, that folks that do care about the little things like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that thing about this one product. Cause that doesn't resonate. I should have actually focused more time on something else, even though both are valuable of whatever it might be. Um, but, but that's, that's an interesting point that you make. Um, so, all right, as, as we kind of, we move on, um, what, what are you doing now, Davidson? Like, like what, what occupies your time? Where, where do you spend, um, like, do you, are you still coaching? Are you still training? Um, what are you doing these days? Yeah. Th yeah. Thanks. I, I think you're completely right. The, the perfectionist, you know, Mike, Mike Rigo, my, my boss who has made millions throughout his career, right? Like he, he'll dissect an email and sometimes it'll take us five hours to like, to like craft the perfect email and it's just crazy like it's like why would you spend five hours on an email but he's like he's like how do you want to lead them like move touch and inspired like how do you want this person to take action like and it's like every in you know it would be summary like maybe he did like an hour training right it'll be like 15 people but in that email all 15 people will get something out of it and yeah. there's a call to action for all 15 people and it's like very specific but it's like it's 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 insane you know like to your point like the amount of like dedication and thoughtfulness and just like dissecting it's like well is that the best word you can use like what's a really good title and then it's like you know and how do you get everyone in, involved and engaged and then how can you make them feel like push them enough but don't push them too much where they feel like criticized right so it's like a sandwiching approach and it's it's just inspiring to, to see people <laughs> like that in the sandwich opinion. approach, hundred percent. Like, like uh, honestly, when sending emails, LinkedIn te text messages, I do kind of read everything in terms of how could this be taken out of context. Like, if I were to read it, like I'm as I write it, I have a certain kind of intention, intent. 
but the person reading it is going to not hear the intonation. It's not going to hear the affection of my voice. It's not going to hear like the, the, the laughter or whatever. So they're just going to read it for just black, the black and white words that they are. And, hmm. and I do kind of play it back before I hit send. I'm like, all right, how could this be read? Could it be read angry? Like, look, does, may it look like, you know, depending on the punctuation and the words being used, could it be an angry message? Could it not be like, mm -hmm. like how could it be taken? Cause I'm not the one actually speaking it when I'm, when they're reading it. Mm -hmm. So, so I do, mm -hmm. I do spend some time and I encourage everybody listening to kind of, they're not doing that. And I'm, it's an, it's a little bit of an effort of an out of body experience, but you got to do that every time you you send an email, mm -hmm. at least I feel, um, or text even for that matter. And you mentioned earlier, yeah, like, the folks in, that folks that don't like to do gong message, gong recordings because they're cussing or whatever. But that's that genuine nature that comes out when when you're kind of being yourself. I think that's mm -hmm. that's key. That's key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to answer your question, so I'm in this unique stage in my life where you know I have been in sales for I think it's like 18 years now, so half of my life. I'm 36, and um, I, because I've invested so much money and time into like $150,000 total well, over the course of wow. like 10 years. So sure. in self-development, I'm creating like, like, okay, what is like the perfect mastermind program that will add the most value? That's like a, what I like about each of these programs. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the process of creating that right now. So it's, it's been fun. Like yesterday I did a, a trial, um, like a legacy workshop with my team. There's like seven people that I, you know, that I partner with. Yeah. And uh they loved it. They're like, man, this is like very thoughtful and like very intentional. And you know, like I've have certainly have never thought about like writing my own eulogy, right? But it's like, you know, being super intentional about that. So I'm I'm excited to to launch that um on Mar on March That's 1st. Awesome. I wish you the best with that. That's amazing. In fact, actually for everyone listening also, Davidson recently wrote a book. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Oh yeah, yeah. It's called uh, Unapologetically ENFP, and it's it's ENFP is one of the sixteen Meyer Briggs uh, types, and it's basically a book on how to have more fun, like how to, especially as New Yorkers, I feel like we're always working too much. So it's like, how can I integrate more fun and play, um, and have more freedom and adventure in life? So I love it. Really excited for that. I love it. That's 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 awesome. Um, is there anything as we kind of come to an end, Davidson? Is there anything that that you want to leave with the listeners? Anything that I didn't get to ask you about? Yeah, I, I think it's you know just being super intentional about like your relationships and like don't don't forget to um, you know I, I was fortunate enough on the 16 day solo road trip like I called a lot of friends I haven't spoken with in a while and it was like really cool just to hear from them and I met up with a friend who was diagnosed with um, a condition and she only had six months left to live and oh, it was just cool like I'm glad I reached out to her so we were able to hang out in montreal and it was like a you know a life changing like a life altering um just being able to be with her and just kind of like hear you know hear her out and just hear about her divorce and her story and like just like the journey that she's gone through like barely being able to walk so it just it just helped me be able to just have gratitude that you know like i am a relatively healthy dude yeah that's i appreciate that that's that's awesome actually i i I make every effort myself to reach out to folks that I haven't talked to in a while. Building and maintaining those relationships can be work. And I agree with you. I think that's, but that's key, especially in sales. Um, it kind of, it, it continues to hone that, that muscle or strengthen the muscle that you need 
to be strong in to be successful in sales. So I appreciate it, Davidson. Thank you very, very, very much for joining us today and everyone listening. We'll catch you on the other side. Thank you so much. You know, we're back actually. So I, I just for everyone listening, I hit record again. So, you know, we said our buys are good buys and you'll probably hear that in a little bit, but, um, but Davidson and I continued our discussion and there was actually some, you know, some meaningful stuff. And so I'm re-recording it. You guys will hear this in a minute, but, um, but, it, but it came down to kind of um, a couple things about like, you know, myself, deep trichinot is not an American name. And um, we were talking about some of the struggles and just kind of the expectation of what it's like fitting the mold of what a sales rep needs to look like and behave like and, and be. And, you know, we we're talking about how, uh, I, I didn't fit that mold coming up. I just turned 50 last month and, you know, it's a little bit less now having 20 plus years experience behind me. I don't feel it as much, but early on it was like, Hey dude, I'm, you know, I'm like a five, six, five, seven, somewhere in that range. That's how tall, um, tall I stand. And I definitely do not fit the mold in, you know, of a six, two blonde, blue eyed sales rep. Right. And that's, that's the thing that's like, just, and because of that, I felt, I felt at least there was a little bit that I just had to have a little bit more oomph, a little bit harder. I worked to try and get it. But then, um, Davidson came back with like, you know, it's, it's relative. It's actually, you know, those, those six, two blonde blue eyes guys, they might have the, the physique, the stature, but they're still going through their own stuff. And, and it is, it's, it's a hundred percent relative. So, um, I don't know, Davidson, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? It, it's um, to your to your point, like the, a lot of the LinkedIners that were there was four LinkedIners that made over a million W two. Um, we uh, and I've been inter- I was fortunate enough to interview some of them for for my podcast. That's, that's um, awesome. And and to your point, yes, they're usually tall or athletes, or they coach basketball teams. You know, they they look a certain way, right? But yeah. it's interesting, like upon interviewing them, and then after we we you know turn off the recording. They're like, how did I do? Like, did I do okay? Oh, I feel like we should delete this. Like, I, I didn't do well. Like, I don't, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, wait, what? What's going on here? You know, but when they're like, you know, in those like high pressure meetings, like they're on it and they're just like, you know, but the pressure, right, to, to close an $11 million deal, like with Amazon for LinkedIn, right? It's like such a big deal, right? So it's like, yeah. there's just a lot of anxiety or a lot of uh, pressure that comes in, the, in those environments. So it's just super interesting for me to, be with that and be like, nah, like, dude, you crushed it. Like, don't worry. Like, this was one of my favorite episodes. And I'm like, okay, let me know if you want to delete it. Cause like, you know, I don't, I don't think I did well. And I'm like, oh my, oh my God. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, that's always why I want to hear it's, that. It's, yeah. What we were saying is it's all relative, right? So I was mentioning, um, I had a conversation with my cousin yesterday and we're talking about like him buying a house and what he can afford, what he can't afford, and the problems that he's running into. And we noticed, you know, he, he, he actually paused. He was like, this first world problems. And yes, candidly, like, you know, the crap that he's going through and what he's trying to do, dude, it's like people with money have those problems, right? Um, but nonetheless, there's still problems. It's all relative. Like what he's going through isn't necessarily like to, in the moment that he's in, in the moment that any one of us are in, the problems that we that we encounter are still our problems like maybe no one else has those problems no one else because they might have more money they might have less money they might have different problems sure. but we all got problems <laughs> like, I mean, and, oh, yeah. we gotta all overcome our own problems no matter how big or small they are it 
This reminds me, I just did a video on YouTube about um, like the famous parasite actor who committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, on paper, he has, he has a beautiful wife who's also an act famous actress, like two kids. Like he had, like, you know, a, a nominated for Academy Awards. Like on paper, he's like killing it, right? Like tons of fans, people that like follow everything, take paparazzi, all that stuff, right? But he committed suicide, right? But it, it's like, to our original point, like the amount of pressure he has to uphold this like wholesome image. And then when they found out that he was messing around with like drugs and mistresses and stuff like that was like, there was so much shame that he ended up like killing himself because of it. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, the reason why I share that is because like, I see some of my friends that have like very wealthy parents and, you know, I grew up with basically, you know, my, my mom does nails for a living still. And my dad was a bartender at Benihana and, and I see some of the pressure that my wealthy friends have. And I'm like, Ooh, like, I'm actually glad that like no one ever checked my grades or anything. Cause like, I'm like, <laughs> I can't imagine having that much expectation. Like you have to amount to something. And that was like a really big breakthrough for me because like I would be envious when I stayed at my friend's storehouses or, you know, like I would see them grow up with like their parents or executives at like Blue Cross, Blue Shield and all these. And I was like, man, like that must be nice. But uh, you know, I see the pressure that they, they go through. Sometimes I'm like, Ooh, like I kind of, I feel like very blessed that I don't have as much of those like expectations. Sometimes. That's interesting. Uh, I have two kids. One's 20, third year in college at UCSD. The other one is in eighth grade. They're seven years apart. And like, I grew up similar to you, um, probably just marginally more affluent, I guess. But like, dude, I think our, our, our newest car was still 10 years old. Um, right, growing up, and my parents barely put any attention on my grades. But dude, we, me and my wife, we put a boatload of attention on our kids' grades. <laughs> so, um, I, I, it's interesting. Like, I gotta, I gotta take a, I gotta reevaluate how I, how that level of pressure that I put on them. Um, it's not so much anymore. We're fine with the, you know, bees still get degrees, so to speak, right? Like, we're fine with that. But, um, but now it's like my son's taking it to another level. Like he, the amount of pressure he puts on himself, uh, like we've taken the foot off the pedal, but he's still going. Um, but he's, you know, so far doing pretty well, I think, hopefully we'll, we'll see when he ends. He's third year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, we always want what's best for our, our kids and, um, I was another YouTube video I just made was because I, I, I coached like over 150 people, right? Throughout like the last 10 years. And the most common thing is like, oh, you know, as immigrant parents, um, one of the guys, he just got into investment banking. One of the guys I'm coaching investment banking and, and he's like, yo, I, I'm in investment banking, but I'm like miserable. I hate it. And like I'm working crazy hours and like it's like not even worth it. But they're like, but you know, our parents sacrificed a lot to move from Singapore over here, right? To Toronto. And so he's just like stressing out about it. And it's, and then I'm just like, dude, like think about it. Fast forward 15 years, you look 20 years older, right? And you have all this gray hair, you're stressed out. Like you have yeah. bags underneath your eyes. Like, do you really think your parents want you to be, want that to happen to you? And he's just like, and I'm like, no, they don't. Because like my mom, every time she sees me, she's like, she's like, why do you look so stressed? I'm like, because every day you would remind me that one day I'll give it back to you and buy you a house one day. So I'm literally living what you've been preaching to me my whole life and she's like she's like that sounds horrible and i'm like yeah mom <laughs> you know make her feel bad in a joking way but you know sure. but she knows that like at the end of the day like 
you know, she would rather me be happy and make like their 50,000 less than like be super like swamped, but be able to have a really cool cars and, and, and a really, no, really nice house. Yeah, no doubt. Happiness is key. Um, and yeah, you, you, to your point, like busting your backside to, 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 to get that extra dollar when having that one less dollar makes you so much more happier. Um, so I think I, I, I mean, it's a lesson that, that I wish I had comprehended in, in my thirties. Like there's a different approach, this whole working hard, working smart. Um, like, you know, I knew, I knew the difference there, working hard, working smart, but, but as part of working smart, you got to work kind of a little bit, you got to work happy too. Right. Like, I mean, and that's working smart. So you got to like figure out what you love doing. Um, I mean, I, I remember, you know, there's a boatload of quotes, right? There's the, the, you find a job you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. Something like that. Now I would always strive for those things. Look for, look for roles and, and jobs that, that I could be happy in. Unfortunately, I, I also quickly learned that, um, Every job, no matter what it is, there's some crap parts of that job that you're not going to like. There's going to be tedious parts and, um, it just, it just is what it is. And I've kind of come to terms with those things. So you got to deal with those things. But I would say at least 51% of that job you love doing, then, then you're probably on the right track. Um, it's a, yeah. And you might, you know, you might cut out this part of the, the, this episode, but I mean, what you're doing with your, your business is obviously like, you're going to, you're going to love that a lot more. Right. Cause it's your yeah. baby. It's like your child. Like, so that's how I feel right now where I'm like, Oh my God, like now I see, it's so cliche, but I'm like, now I see why everyone keeps talking about like a day that you don't have to, uh, the day, like you do your own business. Like you never have yep. to, like, to work. What's the saying? Like, it feels like you never have to work again. Cause yeah. it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. That's how I feel, right? Like doing this stuff every day. Like this is awesome. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, yeah. You find a job you love, you never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's how I feel. I feel very, very, very blessed to, to be able to have that at a relatively young age. That dude, yeah, seriously, you're 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 you said you're thirty six. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing. Um but but it requires a mindset to be thirty-six and doing what you're doing. Like at thirty-six, yeah. I don't even know what the hell. Like I could barely wake up in the morning for work, right? Like it was <laughs> it was it was a struggle. I, mean, I don't know. Lot, I doubt that. I really doubt <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't I don't think you give yourself enough credit. But I, I see what you're saying though. Like because I'm very like I go to all these like when I go to Fiji and for Tony Robbins for seven days, like stuff like that. Right. I see, like, I'm usually one of the younger folks. Like usually oh, yeah. the average age is probably around your age. Yep. And, uh, Oh my God, that, sorry. That hopefully that didn't sound like that you're old, but you, but you're like, needless no, to say, dude. like a couple years older than me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and they always say, they're like, dude, you're so lucky that you're doing, like you're learning all this now. Cause yeah. like, they're like, you know, just because you have like 14, 15, 16 years on me in this early, like you'll be at a much better place when you're in my age. Hundred percent. I've heard that enough times where I'm like, ah, like I hate hearing that. Cause I'm like, but then I feel like now I'm putting pressure on myself. I'm like, are you saying that I'm going to amount to something? Like, okay. Like that's, <laughs> that's a bit of no, I think you, I think you continue the, 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 you know, the struggle is real. You continue to strive um, no matter what age you're at. I think, you know, every day needs to be, somewhat more progressed than the previous day. All of us, like, mm -hmm. I think that's a standard uh, that everybody should hold themselves to. Um, it's just when you realize that that's what you're striving for and you do it at 36 versus doing it like 47, like mm -hmm. you, you have a few years 
to, to, to make impact for yourself. You have a few more years to make impact for yourself. Right. Um, that's, that's the thing. Like it's never too late. Like Gary V says, like, it doesn't matter. You'd be 60 years old when you come to that realization. It's all good. Um, it's just the impact that you can make for yourself. Cause you, you have a few more years to do it is it's, it's better. And you, and you're, you're, and people will say like, I'm sure people will be like, Oh, you're blessed. And, and, and we all are, but, yeah. but like to have that mental maturity at, in your thirties is unique. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Yeah. So I give you credit. Kudos to you for that. In my thirties, like I seriously, I was like, I just need the, where's my next dollar coming from? Even though I was, you know, we were fine. Like I think, um, yeah. let me think here. So we've been in our house for 13 years. Yeah. So I, we bought my, we bought our house. My wife and I bought our house. I was 37. So it was great. Oh, cool. Like I, you know, I, awesome. I was a homeowner at 37. That was awesome. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, that's we, rare too nowadays. I feel like. I mean, dude, like, nowadays you can't even buy a house. Like we couldn't buy our house now. It's like, insane. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the interest rates right now too. It's, it's also so, pretty. Yeah, but it's like, so, so we were okay. It's just still, it was like, all right, I'm making X dollars this year. How do I make X plus next year? Mm-hmm. And that's all I cared about. And, but to have that mental maturity of like, it's not just the dollars. It's mm-hmm. like, it's how you get the dollars. It's what you do with the dollars. Mm-hmm. It's how do you, and how do you find that mental peace for yourself? Mm-hmm despite the amount of dollars that you have. And, mm. and I think you're on a good track. I'm, I'm happy to see it. And uh, well, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And, all right. Last point. Well, I do think like you have two kids, right? So you do have other things and considerations that yeah. I don't necessarily have to like consider just yet. Right. So I do think you did the best that you did given the, you know, the yeah. circumstances like being a provider. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's like, hundred percent. That, that's, that was the main goal. So yeah. Now that they're a bit older and like, you know, you're like, okay, they'll be okay. It's, it's yeah, yeah. different. It is. It is. And, and, you know, and there's, you know, for, for everybody who does have kids, you're going to have those touch and go moments where you're, you're like u- uber worried about their health, their well being, their future. And mm-hmm. that's all you care about. Um, and then, I mean, you guys will come out of those tunnels and, and like, it's, it's, it, you're absolutely right, Davidson. Um, you know, we're, we're blessed for the, for the path that we chose. We have friends that are so much more wealthy than us and we roll with them. We hang with them. Um, one's on a billionaire track at this point. Right. So like that's wow. a different echelon also, but, wow. but, uh, but like, it's, it's fine. I'm happy for them. Like they, you know, mm. they're, they're, they're going doing their thing and, and they should, they should go get it. And what do they say? Like, I think the top 15 billionaires, um, 14 of them, had divorces right so it's like yeah what is the what is benchmark of success you know seriously 100 percent. like this this um the 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 one dude i'm mentioning um he's i love him because he tried like he grew up fairly humble like you know middle class and yeah. and he's he's done well for himself but he's trying to maintain he's he's trying he's struggling he's lo- i think he's losing the battle unfortunately but he's struggling mm-hmm. to maintain the middle class mentality in terms uh... of culture teaching kids like you know what's uh, what's valuable like it's not just the money right mm-hmm. but but he still rolls with folks that it, it you know you need a certain amount of money to just roll and <laughs> and you know like the, the struggles you go through like when we go we go out to dinner and, and we see like the 99 cent store the big lots next to wherever we're eating <laughs> and um he's like he's like oh yeah I, you just shop there all the time and um, he, he takes his kids there just to kind of like be like, this is this is where we would buy stuff from. Oh wow! And huh. and 
And I was like, man, you are, you are, I, I appreciate it. I admire you for doing that. You don't huh. have to. And then he, tra- yeah. he tries, you know, he talks down, he doesn't talk down t- to us, but he talks like he still has those financial struggles. And I'm like, dude, come on, huh. you're doing this for me. Like, I know you don't have these financial oh. struggles. <laughs> oh, you think so? Or do you, because this is me. I don't know if you listen to a lot of roommate safety's, um, I'll teach you to be rich podcast. Mm-hmm. He, 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 so, so he interviews a lot of like super wealthy. I mean, not, it sounds like your friends, like a few tiers above, but the people that have like eight to nine to 10 to 12 million in net yeah. worth. Yep. And they'll like, they'll be like, they'll book like the holiday in that's like in crappy Times Square where there's like crack addicts nearby where, um, and then the husband's like, can we just book like a nice hotel for once? And then the wife is just like, no. And, yeah. and it's like, for me, it has to like lay the smack down and be like, bro, like, <laughs> he's like, you can literally book the nicest hotel in New York City every day and you'll still be fine. Like, yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. It's not freaking out about this. Totally. It's 100%. And, and he does the same thing. Like, he still flies coach, still like, you know, oh. they go everywhere. And for work, huh. though, because of who he deals with, um, uh. fly, I, I'm sure he flies private often. Right. Oh, okay, okay. But when they okay. go on family vacations, they're flying. Coach That's wild. Vacations. That's he's... still wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <he's... laughs> you should. I, when I find that episode of the Remeet Safeties, I'll send it to you because it was like so eye opening for me because I'm like, oh, yeah, like I have I have a so I have a my business partner is kind of like that. I mean, he's like not like super well, but he's like, you know, doing pretty well. He's like a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. But like, like. He'll save like five dollars on lunch, and he'll be like, "Oh man, like I got a great deal. Like it was a discount." I'm like, "Bro, like really? Are we having this conversation? Like, come on." And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I just can't. I just can't drop it." He's like, "You know, like it's just the Taiwanese mentality." Yeah, yeah. You can't. You, like that's the thing. Like with, with with this buddy of mine, he can't. He he himself like grew up a certain way. I think he'll be fine. Like he'll he'll continue having value for like for where he needs to have value. But his struggle is like he's got three kids and he's trying to get them to have the same values for for whatever it is, like the value of a dollar, work hard, that kind of those uh, kind of work ethics. And yeah. that's where I like I, I watch him and he and all the things he does. And he does he does a fantastic fantastic job of of maintaining that. It's just that like the the environment that he's in is he's fighting against it. Like it's, yeah. it's and so like his kids go to private school, right? Yeah, it's, and, it's impossible. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, I admire him for yeah. doing it though. Yeah, that's cool, man. No, I'm glad. I'm glad we were able to do this. Like, it's it's just as you're seeing. Like, that's why podcasting is like the world. Rory Vaden, who's who's like a famous um, New York Times bestseller. He's like, he's like, think about it. He's like, podcasting is like the biggest. He uses scam just to be like um, dramatic about it, but he's like, he's like, yeah. think about it. It's like the biggest scam ever, right? He's like, you get to like normally people that you would never like have relationships with. Like, you get to chat with them and build a relationship with them. And he's like, it's like a no brainer. He's like, every single human being should start a podcast, like no matter what where you're at in your life, because he's like, you just have an excuse to like meet like most interesting people ever, and like that's so how true. I feel in this game. So like, true. This is amazing. Yeah. A hundred, like, like thousand percent, because like I got into it. Actually, you're gonna be like number thirty-five, six. I don't know the episode. Nice. That's pretty um, good. And um, and and I got into it because it was like, all right, you know, a way to it was a way to meet colleagues, prospects, and so on. But then it was like it, it turned into it. It kind of morphed into, even though it's, it still has to do with sales, but it morphed into just the relationships. To your point, like yeah. I enjoy this more than anything else, and so. Mm. 
Um, it's, awesome, it, it, it became more about meeting folks, hearing their stories rather than building the network itself. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I, I continue to do it. Cause I enjoy, I enjoyed this aspect of it. And so mm. continue. Yeah. That's, that's how I became friends with Ian and Brandon and Jamal as well. Like I would just interview them for my podcast and then like, to, yeah, to your point, it's like normally like they would just be too busy probably to spend like 40 minutes with me, yep. you know, but, and then, yeah, and that's how we became friends. So. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, once again, yeah. Davidson, thank you so much. I know we went way over for everyone listening, but I think it was, it was uber valuable. This is going to be one of the longest episodes that, that I will publish. Um, but it was, it was, it was great. I really appreciate it, Davidson. Yeah. Thank you, Deep. Uh, just want to acknowledge you for being an awesome um, father and host. And like, this is like a very genuine and, and uh, authentic conversation. And it, I forgot we were recording, like it, it just felt so natural. Um, so clearly you have a gift to help your guests feel comfortable and Thank um, you. let them be their authentic selves. And, and yeah, I, I wish you the best and I'm excited to see what you create in the, in the future. I, I appreciate it. Likewise, Davidson, we'll definitely stay in touch and maybe, you know, we'll recap this in about, you know, six months, a year or so. Have you back on and we'll see what, awesome. what's, what's transpired. All right, man. Have a good one. And everyone okay. listening, we'll catch you on the other side. Thank you so much. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 